Democrats impeach President Trump as Alyssa Milano leads a rally chant that this is what democracy looks like. We examine what happens now and we remember what our founding fathers thought about democracy. Then alleged comedian Michelle Wolf jokes about how killing her child made her feel like God. CNN refuses to believe a CNN poll that's favorable toward President Trump. And stick around for the mailbag to get my thoughts on whether or not we should boycott Star Wars, about the Crusades, and about the age-old question of whether Christians should date non-believers. All that and more. I'm Michael Knowles, and this is The Michael Knowles Show. They did it. The Democrats have impeached President Trump. So what happens now? At this point, I'm actually half hoping that the Senate convicts just so that President Pence can then institute a full-on Handmaid's Tale style dystopian Puritan tyranny. Not because anybody wants that to happen, least of all Mike Pence, but just because it would totally own the libs. Can you imagine how hilarious that would be? I mean, it would be dystopian, obviously, but it would be absolutely hilarious. They think they impeach Trump and they think because they've never read the Constitution that that means that now Hillary Clinton is going to be president. And then just peeking out from behind the curtain is uh, Mike Pence there just passing out bonnets left and right. That would make it almost all worthwhile, though I say almost because this actually is sort of a sad thing for our republic. The We've gotten into this habit now of of impeaching presidents. The impeachment power should very, very rarely be used. We're now using it a lot because we're prioritizing the Congress and the legislature as somehow a more important branch of government than the executive. And you've heard this a little bit from both parties to diminish the role of the executive. But if you diminish it too much, you totally throw our system out of whack. And that's what's happening all around the country. People are throwing our system of government out of whack. They don't even know what our system of government really is. Uh, We don't need to cover very much on impeachment. Obviously, we knew this was going to happen. We've been talking about what it will look like all week. Uh, Worth pointing out that two Democrats voted against impeachment and no Republicans voted for impeachment. So that means that the vote against impeachment was bipartisan and the vote for impeachment was not. It was strictly partisan. It was only Democrats. Nancy Pelosi knows that this is bad for her. It does not look good. I mean, it's rallied her base over the past 24 hours. They'll probably be able to fundraise pretty well over the next, I don't know, a couple weeks or something. Except actually that we're heading into Christmas and New Year's right now. So people are tuning out of politics. If they wanted to fundraise off this, probably should have picked a better time. Still, Nancy Pelosi knows this doesn't really help her looking into 2020. So actually right now she's threatening not even to deliver the impeachment to the Senate, meaning that the House has voted to impeach the president. That's done with. But what would happen now is the House would deliver that to the Senate. The Senate would conduct a trial. And then presumably the Senate will acquit President Trump because the Republicans still hold the Senate. And this whole impeachment thing is a hoax. So they have no leverage. They're giving away all their leverage. And that's why Nancy Pelosi is saying, well, we're going to vote to impeach him, but maybe we won't give it over to the Senate. And you just see cocaine Mitch there sort of rubbing his fingers together like, yes, yeah, do whatever you want, Nancy, because right now that the vote has already happened, Republicans hold all of the leverage. Before we move on past impeachment, I do want to give a quick shout out to Republican Representative Bill Johnson. You know, all the congressmen were making these impassioned pleas yesterday on the topic of impeachment, but Bill Johnson, more than anyone else, 
gave a truly powerful oration on the presidency, on the legislature, and on the topic of impeachment. Here is Representative Johnson. Gentleman's recognized for 30 seconds. Thank you, Madam Speaker. In a day heavy in verbal debate, I choose to use my time to enumerate in detail every high crime and misdemeanor committed by the President of the United States. I will do so now. Yeah, it's still playing. He's there, he's standing, he's looking around. Wow. See, that, that was, this is the best argument I've heard yet. It's so concise, it's so coherent. Where have I heard this before? Gentlemen's time's expired. You'll back. Uh-huh, beautiful, absolutely beautiful. They say that poets are the unacknowledged legislators of the world. That's a quote by Shelley. And I can't help but feel that that's true. I can't help but feel I played a small role in the creation of that powerful speech. And that speech, I think, will go down in the annals of American history as, as the decisive oration on the topic of President Trump's impeachment. Really, really great. By the way, if you want to read the book that uh, I think gave Bill Johnson so much inspiration for that oration, I recommend you go purchase Reasons to Vote for Democrats, a comprehensive guide, a number one international best-selling book endorsed by President Trump. Meanwhile, so you had all these congressmen fighting all day. You had pretty much just one funny speech about it, which was from Bill Johnson. Meanwhile, in LA, you had a ton of left-wingers. I mean, congressmen, ex-congressmen, that thruple derelict Katie Hill flew out and hung out with Alyssa Milano. They were holding a rally to celebrate the impeachment and to celebrate the attempted overthrow of the 2016 presidential election. Alyssa Milano was one of the people leading this rally, this protest. And here is what she had to say. Show me what democracy looks like. Show me what democracy looks like. This is what democracy looks like. Show me what democracy looks like. Hello, snowflakes. Listen to me very carefully. I am angry. If he thought Greta was angry, he's seen nothing yet. I'm premenopausal and I am angry. Yeah. Uh, if that is what democracy looks like, count me out. I'm gone. I'm cashing in my democracy chips. Get me out of here. Uh, maybe she's right though. Maybe she's right. I think a lot of people see these rallies. They see this hoax impeachment and they say, that's not what democracy is supposed to look like. Maybe that is what democracy looks like. We will examine exactly what democracy looks like and exactly what our founding fathers thought about it. But first, I got to thank our friends over at Rock Auto. I love rockauto.com. First and foremost, because it's an incredibly helpful company that gives you fair prices with an easy to navigate website that cuts out these bogus middlemen who mark up the prices all the time. The other reason I love it is because it's a family business, all right? Rock Auto is a a tightly held family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years, which in the scope of the internet is pretty much the whole time. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Rock Auto has everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. You know, when you go to the auto parts store in person, 
people, they don't have your part. They just go online and then they buy it and then they mark it up a whole lot. So go, go right to the source. I wish I had done that when my car broke down three months ago between here and San Francisco. Rockauto.com is just so terrific. I, I really love these guys. I love how easy to navigate their website is. Rockauto.com. Go there right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Then write Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S in their how did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you. You're going to love these guys. They're going to be your go-to guys for auto parts. There, there's nobody better. Rockauto.com. Add Knowles in the box where they ask where the, you heard about them. Is that what democracy looks like? Ugh. If it is, it sends a shiver down my spine. But I think she might be right. She might be. Just look at impeachment. There is a legal basis for impeachment. There's supposed to be at least. And yet the House Democrats overruled these constitutional safeguards. They overruled the law in favor of political strong arming. They basically said, we've got the votes. We're going to impeach. This is democracy. Who cares that you didn't commit a high crime or misdemeanor? Who cares that you didn't commit bribery? They dropped the bribery charge. Who cares that you didn't commit treason? Doesn't matter we're going to impeach you anyway because we got the votes and it's going to be strictly partisan. Now, a couple of Democrats with a political conscience actually voted against impeachment, but the whole rest of the caucus voted for impeachment. And they didn't even pretend, by the way. Many of them did not even pretend to have a legal basis for this impeachment. Here's uh, Democratic Representative Schakowsky exemplifying that mob rule. She explains her basis of impeachment, which is not constitutional, not high crimes or misdemeanors. It's not even Ukraine, which was the ostensible basis for this version of impeachment. She said that she decided to impeach President Trump because her child told her to. It is my adult son, Ian Schakowsky, whom I will always credit for my decision last June to support an impeachment inquiry. It had never been my goal to impeach a president, but Ian made such a compelling case. He reminded me of the oath I have taken 11 times now to support and defend the Constitution of the United States. He said, Mom, this is not about politics. This is not about party. And pushing back against my arguments, he said, this has nothing to do with the final outcome it's about doing the right thing, even if others don't. He made me see that it was about my legacy, my modest place in history. I want to thank you, my son, for helping me do the right thing today, to vote to impeach the president of the United States, Donald Trump, because no American is above the law. I want to thank you, my son, for helping me to realize that my job isn't to uphold the Constitution, that my job isn't to support the norms of American Republican government. My job is to do what my kid tells me to do so that I get all the good feels. And that's what congressmen are for. They're for having really good feels. So thank you. Thank you so much, my son. This is, this is mob rule. This is government by sentiment. This is government by saccharine feeling rather than government by law or government by our constitution or even our traditions or our norms. This kind of mob rule has affected so many areas of our government, not, not even just this one Congress, this one Congresswoman. It's come all over the place. And what you've got to remember is that we don't actually have a democratic form of government, or at least we're not supposed to. 
Everyone seems to forget that little detail. The word democracy appears nowhere in the Declaration of Independence. The word democracy appears nowhere in our Constitution. You know what word shows up? Republic. Republic shows up through so many of our founding documents. The founders were terrified of democracy. They didn't like democracy. Democrats today would have us believe that our government is supposed to be some ever purer democracy, but it's not, at least not as the founding fathers envisioned it. In their great wisdom, the founding fathers knew what democracy looks like. Here's what James Madison, father of our constitution, here's what he wrote in Federalist 10, quote, democracies have ever been spectacles of turbulence and contention, have ever been found incompatible with personal security or the rights of property, and have in general been as short in their lives as they have been violent in their deaths. Pretty sharp fella, that James Madison. Our government is not a democracy. For that reason, our government is a republic. And yet, we've become more democratic over time. This has happened indisputably. And in some ways, as the government has become more democratic, we appreciate that extension of various rights to people who ought, ought to have had those rights. But in many ways, the democratization of our government, especially the federal government, has not worked out terribly well for us. Republican Representative Barry Ludermilk, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, he made the rounds on Twitter yesterday because he compared President Trump at his impeachment trial to Jesus. Now, once we get behind the part that everyone's laughing at, we'll get to actually a very important observation that he's made about democracy. We'll get to that in a second. First, I got to thank our friends over at Bolin Branch. You know how much I love Bolin Branch. I got to sleep, what, 18, 19 hours a day to keep up my my beauty to keep up my, my youthful looks. And so when I sleep, I want to make sure I'm treating myself very nicely. Everything Bolin Branch makes from bedding to blankets is made from pure 100% organic cotton, which means they start out super soft and they get even softer over time. And by buying directly from them, there's no middleman. You're essentially paying wholesale prices. When you buy luxury sheets, if you go to the department store or something, they can cost, I kid you not, like $1,000. But if you buy them through Bowling Branch, you don't need to worry about that. I am a man of simple tastes, okay? I am easily satisfied by the very best. This is true when it comes to drinks and food and when it comes to my bedding, especially when it comes to my bedding. Get it. Treat yourself, especially at such a great price that you can get from Bowling Branch. You're going to love it. Most people spend a third of their life on their beds Make sure you got the best. You'll, you will thank me later, I promise. Shipping's free. Try them for 30 nights. If you don't love them, send them back, but you're going to love them. Right now, to get started, get $50 off your first set of sheets at bowlandbranch.com, promo code Michael. Bowlandbranch.com, $50 off your first set of sheets. That's promo code Michael. B-O-L-L and branch.com, promo code Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L. You will thank me later. So Representative Barry Ludermilk, who is a Republican congressman from Georgia, he made the rounds yesterday. His clip went viral because he compared the impeachment of President Trump to the trial of Jesus Christ. Uh, we can all agree, I think, that claims of President Trump's divinity have been exaggerated. However, Congressman Ludermilk makes a very good point about the Democrats here. He makes a very good point about democracy. You take this historic vote today, one week before Christmas. I want you to keep this in mind. When Jesus was falsely accused of treason, Pontius Pilate gave Jesus the opportunity to face his accusers. During that sham trial, 
Pontius Pilate afforded more rights to Jesus than the Democrats have afforded this president in this process. I yield back. Okay. Uh, Not a perfect analogy, I suppose we can say. And generally speaking, let's say generally, uh, Trump is not Jesus. Okay. I suppose you could have a sort of St. Paul scenario where he says, it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me, but I could never presume President Trump's faith. So let's put that part aside for right now. Trump isn't Jesus, but the Democrats are Pontius Pilate. You know, when Christ is talking to Pontius Pilate, Christ tells Pontius Pilate that he has come to bear witness to the truth. Pontius Pilate responds in one of the most famous moments of the entire Bible. He shrugs his shoulders and he says, what is truth? And he walks away. And this isn't just some sloppy moment from Pontius Pilate, just some throwaway line. It's the evidence that Pontius Pilate is a cynic, a cynic in the true sense of the word. He doesn't care for the truth. He is totally indifferent to what the truth is. He doesn't believe in a way that there is objective truth. That cynicism has infected much of our society, but it has especially affected the left, which now denies objective truth. As a matter of course, they'll say there's your truth and my truth, but there's no the truth. There's no, who, who are you to say that you're a man if, if you think that you're a woman? Then you can be a woman. Whatever you want to be, you can be. Who am I to presume your pronouns? There's no objective reality, so I can't presume the truth. The left has demonstrated this, especially in this impeachment trial. I mean, they have been trying to impeach Trump now since before he took office. And the reason has changed. The only thing that has stayed consistent is that they want to impeach him. So initially it was, we're going to impeach him because he conspired with Russia. Two and a half year, $32 million investigation into that. We conclusively can say he did not conspire with Russia. Okay. Then we're going to impeach him because he maybe slept with Stormy Daniels 10, 15 years ago. No, okay, that's not a crime. All right, we're going to get him because he didn't pay taxes. Oh, he did pay taxes. All right, we're going to get him because he conspired with Ukraine. Is that one good? I know Ukraine's at war with Russia, but let's just, let's go with that one now. Ukraine? Okay, there's no evidence that he committed any crimes with Ukraine. Well, whatever, we're going to get him anyway. Obstruction of Congress and abuse of power. Yeah, that's pretty good. You can't, those are so vague that you can't possibly refute that. Well, we're going to impeach him anyway. That's cynicism. A lot of people are cynical in politics. A lot of politicians don't have very much regard for the truth. However, this is especially brazen. This is especially in your face, this disregard for the truth. Another tough feature about radical democracy, another really unfortunate feature, is that it breaks all constraints on society. All right, it's obviously broken our constitutional constraints. This happens time and time again. It's broken our legal constraints. When, when people feel that they can just impose their will regardless of what the framework of our country says. But it also breaks the constraints of the moral order. Nowhere is this better exemplified than in the recent special of the alleged comedian Michelle Wolf. You'll remember her. She was at the White House Correspondents' Dinner a few years ago, and she made fun of Sarah Sanders, and this was something of a controversy. So Michelle Wolf's got a new special on Netflix, and she decided to do a whole bit, a whole joke, about how killing her child made her feel like God. Here she is. So negatively that you feel like you should have this sense of shame after you get an abortion. Well, you can feel any way you want after you get an abortion. Get one. See how you feel. You know how my abortion made me feel? Very powerful. You know how people say you can't play God? 
You know, that's pretty ghastly. I think it's pretty repugnant. Most people are, are so shocked by that joke because it's so real. It's so true. It's actually why it's a, it's a pretty good joke. If not for all the suffering, if not for all the dead babies, if not for the reality of it, because she actually killed her child, it would be a very funny joke. If not for the victims, why would it be a funny joke? Because it's so true. She's right. I'm sure she did feel very powerful. The ability to snuff out innocent life makes one feel powerful. It makes one take on the, presumed to have the authority of God. Yeah, that, she's right. That's not a good thing. That's a very bad thing. The impulse of radical egalitarian democracy is to make each man a God. That's the trouble. And the, what is the result of that? Is the result of that a good, thriving, wonderful society where we all love each other and we're all very nice to each other? No, the result of that is a society that is coarse and capricious and miserable and murderous. That's what happens. Does any of us want that? The framers did not want that. The current Democratic Party does. I mean, you saw this even in the decision of Justice Kennedy in Planned Parenthood v. Casey, where he famously said in the early 90s that we each have the right to define our own reality, our own, our own objective reality will have to subdue itself to our own subjective whims. Each of us will be gods in this kind of radical democracy. That is a pretty new idea. And that is a consequence of saying that we're all absolutely equal as we will presume equality even with God, which is absurd and has pretty disastrous consequences both on the individual and on society. Now, blending the two, blending the cultural realm and the political realm. We see the near effects of this radical democracy now in the most cringe-inducing video from Elizabeth Warren in the past 24 hours. It seems like every three or four days you get a really cringe-inducing video from her. We'll get to that in a second. First, Christmas is coming up, guys. Christmas, the holiday season, New Year's Eve especially. People want to go out, get a little bibulous, have a couple adult beverages, one or two Coca-Colas. Stay off the road. Because even if you're not just drinking, even if maybe you want to puff on that Haitian oregano, something like that, stay off the road. I know you think that one is okay to smoke marijuana is okay. And then you get in a car, but driving drunk is not okay. We all know the, the risks of drunk driving. You get in a car crash, people get hurt or killed. Almost 29 people in the U S die every single day in alcohol impaired vehicle crashes. What's that equal? One person every 50 minutes. But even though drunk driving fatalities have fallen by a third in the past three decades, drunk driving crashes still claim more than 10,000 lives each year. And many people don't realize driving while high can be just as dangerous. In 2015, 42% of drivers killed in crashes tested positive for drugs. All right. From 2007 to 2015, marijuana use among drivers killed in crashes doubled. Driving while high is deadly. So don't kid yourself. If you're impaired from alcohol or drugs, do not get behind the wheel. You can call a ride share. It takes two seconds, costs you less than 10 bucks usually. Don't do it, okay? If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, get a DUI, drive sober, or get pulled over. A little Christmas PSA as we get ready for the holiday season. When you want to blend the effects, when you want to see the blend of effects uh, of radical democracy on culture and politics, look no further than Elizabeth Warren, Liawatha herself. Okay, in anticipation of tonight's Democratic debate, Elizabeth Warren appeared in another super awkward video with the Queer Eye star, Jonathan Van Ness. 
This was posted on social media and the two of them give away the game on this radical egalitarian democracy. Literally, Senator Warren, who gave me permission to call her Elizabeth, you'll hear me do that a lot of times. No, the permission asked you to do it. You don't, you don't get it together, Jonathan, but okay. Elizabeth is on this episode of Getting Curious and tomorrow's a big day. Oh, it is, the debates. The debates, and what do you want people to take away from it? So they can go to elizabethwarren.com and follow the debates live and also engage in a lot of conversation around it because this is about making democracy work, not just for the rich folks. It's about making democracy work for all of us. We have such an opportunity. Kind of research for this what power and like give this little class a big moment. Structural change. A big moment. So Yes, yes, yes. Everyone's make it that orange f out of there. Oh, I mean, she was out of frame when it was nice to cuss. Thank you so much. <laughs> If this is what democracy looks like, I am cashing in my chips, okay? Could you imagine the founding fathers, they're writing the constitution, they're writing the federalist papers. These are some of the most brilliant men that have ever graced this continent. They're contemplating how to balance perfectly our federal government and all the powers there. We know that men are not governed by angels. We know that men are not angels. And so we need this government to be rightly balanced to get our individual rights and our community rights and our state rights and the federal government has some power and wow, we have this great, great blend. I don't think that they were dancing around on Instagram. I don't think President Washington was saying, oh, call me Georgie, please. No, he wasn't. There was a certain formality. You, you see the, the problem at the very top of this video when Elizabeth Warren says, I insist, call me Liz. Don't call me Senator call me Liz. Come on. I'm just your chum. I'm just your pal. We need to make democracy work for everybody, not just the super rich. What does that mean? First of all, we're not a democracy. We're a republic. We're supposed to be a republic. But what does that mean? Make it work for everybody. You mean steal their property. That's all you mean. The founding fathers knew this would happen. We've all known this would happen. If you have government by mob rule, guess what, guess what will happen? You'll see those 620 billionaires, some odd, 620 some odd billionaires in the U.S. and we're just going to take their money. And that's, that's no longer merely theoretical. Elizabeth Warren is promising to do that, not just to take their income, but to go in and take their actual wealth that they've stored up, more or less go in, kick down their door and take their property away. All in the name of democracy, which is not supposed to be our form of government. Is this what democracy looks like? I think it very well might be. You know, even even take this to CNN. It's a clip that I actually like, but it shows you the same kind of pernicious effects. CNN conducted a poll on impeachment and it turns out that the people, the, the majority of the people polled do not want to remove President Trump from office. Now, it depends which poll you're looking at, but that's, those are the polls we've seen. So CNN drills down. CNN looks at the, just the Democrat opinion on impeachment. And they found out that during the impeachment process, it dropped from 90% support of impeachment and removal down to 77%. So they've mentioned this on CNN and a CNN contributor refuses to believe the poll. Here he is. By party, Allison, you're right. You see a decline from our last poll in Democratic support uh, from 90% down to 77%. You see independents holding roughly steady there in a slight decline among Republicans. I would just note that that November poll was taken right on the heels of that House Intelligence Committee hearings. I don't believe that poll for one second. What part do you The 90 to 77%. 
I, I, you know, it, it, it's just I don't believe it. Well, like, it makes no sense that that number would change like that. Well, Jeff, you it's that. a subset. It's a subset of the poll. Uh, the margin of error when you look at just Democrats is like 6.7 percent in here. It, it, it's not a wild swing. It's just where the movement is in the poll. I don't know what's not to believe. That's what, you know, you call people up on the telephone. Yeah. They, you get their information. <laughs> you uh, pump out a survey. This is what uh, those that we polled I, I, I told get us. it. But, but I mean, you know, life means life has shown us that polls are sometimes wrong. And David, that poll is wrong. <laughs> you know, I kind of like his, his, his brazen. I don't care what reality says. Because even, I, I should be clear about this poll. C CNN, I don't believe the CNN poll found that the majority of Americans oppose impeachment and removal. We've seen some polls like that. And so people are just picking and choosing the polls that they like. But the CNN poll does show that Democrats are moving in the direction of opposing impeachment or removal during this process. And the CNN contributor says, no, nah, I'm just going to choose not to believe that. Why? Because I said so. It's a funny example, but it shows you the impulse of radical democracy, which is cynicism, which is to disregard the truth, to disregard reality, to elevate ourselves, to presume that we have the right to dictate reality to everybody else. You're seeing it happen on the political front. You're seeing it happen in Congress. You're seeing it happen on the presidential campaign trail you're seeing happen in the culture while comedians are cackling and making jokes about killing their own children and the audience is huffing and hooing and laughing and cheering. That is the conclusion of radical democracy. Maybe the founders were right. Maybe the founders had a point. Just my modest suggestion. We have got the mailbag to get to, some great stuff, but first I'm going to save you some time and money this Christmas season. The perfect gift for your loved ones. You know what it is. After Reasons to Vote for Democrats, a comprehensive guide. That's the stocking stuffer. The main gift is the Daily Wire gift membership. From now till January 1st, all Insider Plus gift memberships will be 25% off. That means your loved one will get all the fantastic perks, plus the lovely and majestic leftist tears tumbler. You will get the savings. That's, that's my favorite part of it. Go to dailywire.com slash gift to get your 25% off. That's dailywire.com slash gift to get your 25% off, 25% off all Insider Plus gift memberships this Christmas season. Give them a gift. They will thank you for all year long. Dailywire.com. We'll be right back with the mailbag. All right. I'm going to be running out and catching a flight because, surprise, surprise, I'm going to be heading to TPUSA's Student Action Summit over in Palm Beach uh, just this evening. I'm going to fly out. I'm going to be speaking with Andy No tomorrow on leftist violence. As you know, I was the target of leftist violence when at Missouri, uh, University of Missouri, Kansas City, some masked Antifa weirdo came in and sprayed me with a bunch of creepy goop. And uh, that was fine. I had to get a new blazer, but life goes on. Andy No had all sorts of awful things thrown at him. He was being punched. He was really, really violently attacked by Antifa. So we're going to be taking that on in Palm Beach at the Student Action Summit. Uh, that will be tomorrow afternoon. So Friday afternoon, Eastern time, early afternoon. If you happen to be in the area, come on by and say hello. Before then, let's answer all of your burning questions in the mailbag from Grant. Michael, my ex-girlfriend and I of five years broke up in early November. We're still talking daily and see each other once a week. And she says we should grow together before we get back together. She's unsure about having kids and she's unsure about my Christian religion. We're both 25 years old. Do you think it is worth pursuing the relationship still 
or better to let her go. She is my best friend, as well as the woman I want to spend my life with. Would love some advice. P.S. Thank you for all you do. Haven't missed an episode in two years. Well, thank you very much, Grant. Since you're a regular listener to the show then, and I really appreciate you sticking around for two years, I'm going to give you some tough love. Drop her like a hot potato. I know. You, you really love her. You want to spend the rest of your life with her. She's your best friend. There's your first problem. I, I could not possibly love a human being more than I love sweet little Elisa. She's not my best friend because friendship is a different thing than, than romantic and marital love. They're just, they should be different categories, but we in our modern culture have confused all of this and we think that sex is basically at the bottom of all human relationships. That isn't true. You should have strong friendships outside of your romantic relationship or your marital relationship or whatever. That's the first problem, and I think that might be confusing you a little bit here. Second, you're not, I mean, you're young, you're very young, 25, but you're not 15 or 16. So if these views are starting to harden, she doesn't like Christianity, she doesn't want to have kids, especially, uh, that's not a good place to be at, especially if you've had five years together already. It's not like you're just getting through the first six months of your relationship. And then there's this issue of she seems to be stringing you along. So you break up, but you really love her. You want to spend your life with her. She's the one who's pulling back. Let her go. Let her go. Are you kidding me? You're not, you got to be a man. I mean, I'm, I'm going to give you the advice that, that Don Corleone gives to Johnny Fontaine in The Godfather when Johnny Fontaine is complaining about how he doesn't know how to get out of his contract. Don Corleone shakes him. He goes, you're going to act like a man. What's the matter with you? You got to act like a man. I mean, that, frankly, if you want any hope of her coming back to you, you got to man up here and just say, nope, you don't want to do this. That's fine. I'm going to go see some other people. And that's just the way that it's going to go. There's a chance you end up together, I suppose, but you're not going to end up together if you, if you continue down this path of saying, you're my best friend. Please, let's see each other as much as we can. Please, let's get back together. I'm not saying that you shouldn't pursue her, but if you're going to pursue her, you got to draw some lines here, okay? You're not, you can't just let her lead the way and dictate all the rules of the game. You got to put some boundaries on that and make it clear that you want to date her again and you're not going to accept being the best friend who hangs around and sees her once a week whenever she's willing to spare you the time of day. That is ridiculous. There's a good book on this by Ovid called The Cure for Love, Remedia Amoris. It's a little, little on the pagan side, so you know, take it with a grain of salt when you approach it from your faithful Christian position. But it's a very good book on the cure for love, and I think it'll give you some good ideas in getting over this and playing the field a little bit. And then if it's meant to be, it's meant to be, and she'll come running back. And I hope that works out for you, but if not, maybe you'll have a better life with another lady. From Chris, after Matt Frad posted his Daily Wire article on porn, People lost their minds and went full bore to the, the tyrannical government is going to take away my rights. I couldn't help but notice that the arguments ultimately redounded to my body, my choice. Don't put your religion on me. And think of the financial situation of the woman, meaning the performer, not the woman getting an abortion, but the woman who's in the porn video. What is the deal here? Is porn to become the sacrament of libertarians and some conservatives? What is it going to take for people to realize the leftist undertones to these arguments? Yes, that is starting to happen. And it's because of a misunderstanding of liberty, just like we have a misunderstanding of democracy. In our country, from the very beginning, we have adopted 
certain democratic principles, which is a good thing. That's wonderful. But we're not a pure democracy. In the same way, from the very beginning of our country, more importantly, we have preserved liberty. But we haven't haven't exalted licentiousness. That wasn't the point. We haven't exalted sort of anarchistic liberty to do whatever we please at any given time. That was never the, the idea of the founding fathers. That was never the idea of this country. What we preserved was ordered liberty. And as Madison spells out importantly in Federalist 51, the end of government is justice. And Edmund Burke describes justice as ordered liberty, a liberty that is far higher, far more exalted than just being able to shoot up heroin in the street whenever you want. Like that's some kind of liberty. It's just a misunderstanding of it. And when you see that throughout all of our history, we've had obscenity laws. We've had certain laws about drugs and alcohol. We still have all of those laws. You realize that this kind of radical libertarian idea that we ought to be able to access any kind of creepy porn at any given time and do whatever we want to ourselves and to our brains. Because as many have pointed out, the the scientific evidence is pretty clear that high-speed video internet pornography is wreaking havoc on our brains, specifically on the brains of young men. When you realize that, when you realize that society is about more than just this narrow licentiousness, then you can see we like to have democratic principles. We like to have liberty, but we don't need radical, totally perverted views of either of those things. From Nathan, hey, Michael, speaker of millennials and lord of the hair. Do you think that when President Trump is reelected that he will win the popular vote as well? Thanks. Came for Ben, stayed for Michael. I think it very likely could happen. You know, George W. Bush lost the popular vote in 2000, then he won the popular vote in 2004. Uh, President Trump lost the popular vote in 2016. It would appear he's picked up a lot of support since then. I mean, you can just look at the numbers in the, among black voters or among Hispanic voters. Those, those numbers have increased pretty dramatically. And this is according to multiple polls. Now, listen, the only poll that matters is, is on election day. But we're not just talking about one outlier poll here anymore. We're talking about multiple polls that shows Trump's black support could have doubled or even, even tripled, or in some cases, even more. Uh, that is a pretty good sign that, that President Trump could see history repeat itself and that he could win the popular vote in 2020. From Sam, anytime a debate starts about religion versus another religion, historically, Islam versus Christianity. Christians are always hit with the, but what about the Crusades and the Spanish Inquisition? What is the best way to respond to these? Thanks. Uh, There's a lot of history that you should read on them, but the kind of 30,000 foot view is that the Crusades were a defensive war to stop the, the Muslim persecution of Christians in the Holy Land. In the Holy Land, to which the Muslim conquerors had no historical or religious right in the first place. They, you know, ma- sort of made sense for them to be around Mecca, but it, it didn't make sense for them to conquer Jerusalem, to conquer the Holy Land. And then when it comes to the Inquisition, let's not forget there were several different Inquisitions. There was the Cather Inquisition, the, mi- the Middle Ages, that was in the uh, 11th, 12th century. That was to, to weed out the Albigensian heresy, which would have absolutely destroyed civilization. It was encouraging people not to get married. It was encouraging people to hate material. There would not be such a thing as the West today if the Cathars had been allowed to to take over the culture. And so there was that Inquisition. And then the Spanish Inquisition was to find out if uh, people who were pretending to be Christian actually were Christian and to root out heretics as well, which has a long history and 
Christian tradition, and, and Thomas Aquinas defended it pretty well. I am not defending the Spanish Inquisition. Let's, I want to be perfectly clear about this for when Media Matters puts their next video out on me. What I am saying, though, is that the Spanish Inquisition was a much more complicated event than, than some people would say. And the people who throw it around as though this negates the whole of Christendom and is somehow negates all of Christianity or just don't know very much about it. Another thing to point out here is that the Spanish Inquisition was led by the crown. It was led by Spain, not by the church. And, and when it comes, I, I highly recommend you, you read up on the Crusades because so often I hear the, the rhetoric that we have to go into Libya, you know, because of a humanitarian crisis. We have to go into Syria because of a humanitarian crisis. We have to go into any other country around the world because of a humanitarian crisis. That's the argument for the Crusades. The argument for the Crusades is that there was a humanitarian crisis and the Muslim invaders were persecuting Christians. It's the same exact argument. Now, there were many crusades, some better than others. So as in all things, I just think the real history is much more interesting than the sort of ideological revisionist slogan view of things. And uh, it's best to approach these historical questions with some humility and with an air of curiosity rather than sitting up on your high horse, standing on the shoulders of giants and thinking that you're flying because you're not. From Miles, I subscribed just to ask this question. I hope I have a good answer. Do you have a list you can say of books to relearn American history as well as history in general? Now that I have kids, I want to reestablish my American roots and do away with what little I remember of my public school education of America. But I find it daunting once I start looking for a non-revisionist history book. Sure, I, I actually, I don't think you need to go for the most intense conservative sources and you should only read books written by conservative political commentators or something, but there are plenty of popular historical books, even of the last 20 or 30 years, that are not revisionist history. For instance, the books by Nathaniel Philbrick. Nathaniel Philbrick wrote The Mayflower. I don't think that's a revisionist history book. I think it'll give you a pretty good overview of the pilgrims. And I don't know what his politics are, but that's probably a good thing in a historian. Same thing with David McCulloch. His books are really terrific, very popular. They're, they're pretty easy read very interesting. He's a, he's a good, uh, good writer. Ron Chernow uh, wrote a, some great biographies. Hamilton, which is what the, the musical is based on. Uh, Washington, a number of others. And if you want a, a good history of the West, a really good intellectual history of all of the West from the modern era, you know, 1500 to the present, uh, you know, the Protestant revolution basically through the the late 20th century, I highly recommend Dawn to Decadence by Jacques Barzin. He was I think approaching a hundred when he wrote the book. So he'd lived through a fifth of it. And again, it's really good. I don't know exactly what his politics were, but it's a great history. And from Joshua, Michael, do you think we will ever again have a presidential candidate run on balancing a budget and actually win? If so, can they win while being honest that there needs to be some entitlement program reforms to accomplish a balanced budget? No, not yet. I guess in the distant future, who knows? We can't predict the future. I actually have a little bit of insight into this because I worked on some presidential campaigns that were trying to put entitlement reform at the top of the ticket. And even I, I love Mitch Daniels, who's now the president of Purdue. And he had this idea of a social truce, not a social surrender, but a social truce. We're going to pause talking about social issues to get our fiscal house in order to then be able to tackle the cultural issues again. And there's no appetite for it. Uh, Paul Ryan tried to pass the path to prosperity and entitlement reform plan. It just didn't work. It didn't happen. Why? What 
what did we see proven wrong by that approach, which a lot of us embraced? Uh, what we saw was that the culture has to come first. I mean, in many ways, it's the Andrew Breitbart model. You cannot deal first with the economic question because the economics is just bean counting. The economics is just a, a question for calculators and economists, like Edmund Burke would say. You first have to move the culture in questions like immigration, questions like our view on life, questions like our view on marriage, questions like our view on who gets to decide questions about life and marriage. That is going to come before we can get to the economic question. I remember once Ann Coulter came when I was in college to give a talk. And she was speaking to us and she knew that there were a lot of pro-abortion young conservatives. That's just the way college kids are, at least at that time. And so she said, look, if you're debating between voting for two candidates, one of whom is pro-life, one of whom is pro-abortion, they both promise to cut your taxes and all you care about is low taxes, vote for the pro-life politician. He will cut your taxes more. What did she mean by that? She meant that the pro-life politician will have a coherent worldview. He will have an understanding of our right to life and our right to property, and he will have a, a philosophy that's consistent, whereas the pro-abortion tax-cutting politician does not have a consistent ideology, and so he's more likely to, to lose his stomach and to lose his spine. Once we get past those cultural questions, then we can get to those economic questions. It's a little bit of an inversion of the common, common conventional view, but, but it's right. From Nick. Last question. Do we think that as conservatives, we should unite and boycott the new Star Wars movie? Is it our moral obligation to deprive the studios of money after The Last Jedi was the most Marxist, anti-capitalist, third wave feminism infested piece of blasphemous propaganda garbage ever put to screen? Thanks for your wisdom. And yes, Jingle All the Way is the best Christmas movie of all time. I don't think we need to push for a boycott of the new Star Wars movie. I think that there will naturally be a sort of boycott of the new Star Wars movie because it's getting terrible reviews and all of the recent Star Wars movies since Return of the Jedi, with the possible exception of Rogue One, which was fine, have been absolutely terrible. So I, I plan on boycotting the movie, not because of the politics, but because it's a terrible movie, uh, because the, the other ones have been terrible and I bet this one will be too. And I don't think that those two questions are unrelated. I think them shoehorning in all these stupid woke leftist politics have really, really damaged the movies. But also the fact that they've lost the sense of good and evil. They've lost the sense of simple storytelling. They've lost what made the first Star Wars a good movie and what made Empire Strikes Back a pretty good movie and even what made Return of the Jedi with all of those little teddy bears dancing around. Even that was, was a fine movie. And then they, they've lost that sense and they've lost that worldview and that comes out in their politics, but it also comes out in their crappy movies. That is our show. I'm going to be in Palm Beach at TPUSA tomorrow. So be sure to come over and say hello if you're there. Otherwise, we'll have another show before Christmas on Monday. Have a good weekend. In the meantime, I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you soon. If you enjoyed this episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. 
The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies, director Mike Joyner, executive producer Jeremy Boring, senior producer Jonathan Hay, supervising producer Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical producer is Austin Stevens, assistant director Pavel Widowski, editor and associate producer Danny D'Amico, audio mixer Robin Fenderson, hair and makeup Jesua Olvera, production assistant McKenna Waters. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2019. If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, and you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there.